Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Come on, it's a good, good day, good day. Well, you know, we're coming in the summer, and uh, uh, we actually get to go outdoors. How many enjoy summer getting outside a little bit? We Canadians, you get to leave the house, walk around, meet your neighbors that you haven't talked to in like eight months, and so it's a good thing. So, uh, But I really want you to make use of this time, and I want you to use your influence. I want you to minister to people. I want you to invite people to church. I want you to invite them to your home. I want you to use these months to be months where Canadians get outdoors and bless people, all right? We should invite. How many do get a little intimidated about trying to invite somebody to church? All eyes closed, heads bowed. Should invite, amen? You should invite people out. It's a good thing. And it's not the only way to get people to Jesus and all those things, but you know, discipleship isn't really fully manifest or matured until it shows itself at a communion table, a baptismal tank, and a place where they're plugged into the body. So, you know, inviting people to church is a good thing. Amen. How many love sermons on evangelism? Three people. See, the same three people. (laughs) There they are right now. So I just want you to, the Boy Scouts is boyslife.org. I know that's not uh, necessarily gender popular these days, but anyway, it's boyslife.org, real website. uh, They have stuff for Boy Scouts and stuff, but they said, uh, here's what you do if you're lost in the woods. How many love it when you get practical things at church that you can take home and apply to your life? All right, if you're ever lost in the woods, you'll remember the sermon, all right? Here it is. This is what it is. When you're lost in the woods, stop. If you're lost in the woods, stop. Number one, stay calm. You can use your brain well. You can't use your brain well if you panic. So number one, and this is true, it's on the website, you can go check it out. So this is good advice, stop, stay calm. And that's good advice anytime. Remember when David came back to Ziklag and all of his stuff was gone, his families and all those things? That was the first thing he had to do was still himself. Everybody wanted to kill him, but he had to still himself and he had to seek God. You know, sometimes when you're under a big crisis, here's the first thing you need to know. Stop. Just stop it and stay calm. Stay calm. Number two is think. Because right then you think, oh, how did I get here? And something might come up and something will happen or something may come back to your memory. Or get out that map that you happen to have in your pocket. Amen? How many are always walking around with that map? Who's got the map? Who do you know has got a person that always has a map? You know? Maybe you're out of GPS range. I don't know. These days, how do you get lost, right? Just, just GPS me, send a helicopter. But how did I get here? You can get your map out and you can figure out where you are. Next is the O is for observe. Look for footprints. What about landmarks? Find clues and maybe you can solve the mystery of where you are. And P is plan. If you're pretty sure the way back, move carefully. But if you're wrong, mark the trail so that if you get back, you say, I've been here before. And, and plan and, and start and have a, have a plan, uh, process that you're going to follow to get yourself out. Amen? Thank you, Pastor. All right. Why did I say that? Because here's something. If you find somebody lost in the woods and you know the way out, if you don't tell them, I think that is a great moral irresponsibility. I think that would be a terrible thing to find somebody totally lost. Hey, are you lost? Awesome. Have a nice day. Are you lost in the woods? You look like you've been lost here for a while. You haven't had a drink recently. I mean, you are freaking out. You're in full-blown panic. Wow, you have no idea where you are. Nice to meet you. The Bible talks about 
people that Jesus came to seek and save. It says he came to seek and save the lost. And you know what it says? We got the same responsibility to seek and save the lost. And when you got neighbors and people all around you that you have influence over, and you may not think you do, but you do, there's probably a lot of people right now wondering why you never invite them to your church. How many of you don't do it because you just don't like your church, you just attend anyway? Okay. You know, there are people out there, and Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he went, high five, give you the same spirit I had, go and do likewise. And we should be about that. We should really be about that. And it's probably one of the most important things we could do. I mean, if the only thing that happened was God wanted to save you and get you to heaven, then what are you still here for? But you see, that wasn't the purpose of God. The purpose of God was not to save you and get you to heaven. It was to invade your life with heaven so you could give it away to others. So that you could become a dispenser. You could become a franchise of Holy Spirit gifts and ability and strength and manifest the good nature of your good, good father. So other people would say, I'd like to join your team. Right? Team Doover, is that right? Amen. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, sharing your faith and using your influence. So John chapter four, verses three and four, it says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now from Judea to Galilee was a straight shot. You could go boom. You could stay right in Israel and go pow, straight shot all the way right to Galilee. But he crossed the border because here's what it says. It says that he departed. It says, but he needed to. He needed to. He needed to. Other translation, he says, I must go. I must go through Samaria. So he literally went across the border. He went outside of Israel and he went up into some difficult terrain and then he crossed over at the top. Like he went on a massive detour, but he said, I must do it. I have to do it. And if you don't know anything about Samaria, I mean, there's, there's all the other people in the world, and then there's Samaritans, and then there's Jews. For Jews, all the other people in the world, that's one thing, but Samaritans, yuck adu. These folks were half-breeds. They were people that part Jew and some other nation. And they were the people that they had to expel because it's mixture that got us into this mess. And so they were like, these people are problem children. And like, so you didn't talk to them, hang out with them. But here's Jesus. Jesus crosses over and he must go through Samaria. So Jesus had a divine appointment for one individual. And Jesus on purpose put his disciples in a very awkward situation. They're already, what are we doing here? We could have, this is not the way to go. What is Jesus doing? All of a second guessing. But here they go. They go there in Samaria. And then when they get to Samaria, he sits on a well and he says, you guys go into town and buy stuff from Samaritans. What? I mean, if we were going to cross over here, you could at least brought bag lunches. But now we got to talk to these people. Oh my God. Jesus on purpose put his disciples in awkward situations. Don't put me in one, Jesus. Don't put me in a weird spot. Don't put me with people I don't understand or don't like. Don't do it. Don't do it. I just want to hang with people who agree with me. Jesus on purpose put his disciples in a weird spot. Does anybody get that? Three people. When's the last time you were in a weird spot for Jesus? Every day. Every day. I mean, some of you are working in places where it's weird. Are you saying you have a weird job there? Are you... Yeah, every day, every, you know, God has put you every day in weird situations to bless. Are you a blessing to every person that you run into? Yes, you are. And I know you are because you're that kind of person. You're a blessing and a giver, but that's where you are. 
All right, so Jesus did that. If you go through that and you read the whole thing, it's amazing. Jesus takes a Samaritan woman who's in the middle of the day, high noon, she's getting water. The reason she's doing that is because she doesn't want to see anybody else. So it's not just a Samaritan. It's a Samaritan that even Samaritans don't like to hang out with. So it's a Samaritan that's had all kinds of marriages. He speaks a word of knowledge to her. He said, where's your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He says, in fact, you don't have a husband, but you're living with the guy right now, and you've had, like, what, five husbands? And he gives her a word of knowledge. She goes, ah, what do you mean? Who are you? Oh, you're a prophet. Ah. And then all of a sudden, boom, he reads her mail, tells her all that stuff, says, I am who you're seeking. Says, if you drink of me, you get a river of living water. I mean, he shared her copy, did all these crazy things because of one person that he had a divine encounter for. But that one divine encounter, look at one more verse. Look at this one right here. John 4, 39. It says, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. The fact that a spiritual gift, Jesus operated out of the spirit of God, not out of his divinity, but out of a spirit, out of a partnership with the spirit of God. He gave a word of knowledge to that woman about her life and all these things. He met her, he drank from her cup, he identified with her because Jesus did all this. She, who was despised and and wouldn't even want to talk to anybody, suddenly the person who didn't want to see people, didn't want to talk to anybody, suddenly she's running into town in the middle of the day telling everybody, you need to meet this man who's changed my life. Has Jesus done anything for you? I mean, are you just doing the religious deed and paying the God bill and it's raining and nowhere else to go? The beach isn't that great yet, so thought I'd be here. I mean, is God doing something in your life? Do you know what it is to have his love invading your life? And has he changed you? Has he moved in your life? You know, when people met Jesus, they ran away with good news and told everybody everybody. But now, statistics say 3% of the body of Christ tell anybody about how good Jesus is. I would like you to get quieter, please, if you could. (laughs) Vision statement of Impact Church. Impact Church. What What a crazy name that is. Is it not? Why can't we be sit back, church? Why can't we be come hang out, church? Come soak on the floor, church. Come enjoy the presence of Jesus, church. What do we impact church for? Does anybody know why we're called impact church? Does anybody actually know why? You know why? Okay, let's see if she does. I don't know. Does anybody else? You know why? You know why? Does anybody else know why? You think you know why? Let me tell you why. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you why. This is true story. Bobby Sullivan wanted to plant a church. And I said, well, we're going to call it New Life Mount Bridges. And Bobby's like, do we have to? I said, yes, we have to. I'm not doing that again. We're planting the floor of this church in another area, and we're partnering with you, so it's going to be called New Life Mount Bridges. And Bobby's like, I hate that name. I'm like, you'll do as you're told. (laughs) It didn't really go like that. It was just kind of, I don't own New Life. It was New Life when I got here. But anyways, we'd like to keep the same culture. Let's keep the same name. So that's it. So then Bobby sent me an email one day. I'm prepping Saturday night. I'm getting ready for Sunday. He sends me an email and it has I-M-P-A-C-T, all those letters, impact. And Bobby said, I must plant a church today. And I went, that's actually pretty funny. But then he showed me everywhere in our mission statement, he highlighted where the word impact was everywhere already in our mission statement. He says, let's plant impact churches. And I went, I like it. Talked with the eldership and everything, so he changed the name to Impact Church. How many... Did you think that was the story, Mira? You did. Did you know that story? Werner, was that the story that you had? Man, Werner, you were wrong. Double tithe next week on you. All right. Okay. But so we developed our mission statement there, a vision statement was we are transforming lives to impact their world. So you see, we want to impact people 
in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We want them to be living, walking, flooded, filled containers of the glory of God so that when we come and celebrate together and get whacked in the Holy Ghost, that we go out there and just unconsciously people are touched because they're impacted by the glory of God that we carry. That's what it's all about. So we're impactors. So here's our vision, transforming lives to impact their world. So how many have ever looked up the word there before? How many have ever looked it up? Well, I did. So here it is. There. It's a pronoun, a form of a, a possessive case as they used as an attributive adjective before a noun, like their home or their rights as citizens. So we want you to impact their world. How many know what your world is? Do you know what your world is? So we're going to talk about some of that today and try and help you with a little bit of that. How are we enjoying this so far? All right. Sam Williams, Sam, Sam Williams says evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their lives. I just thought that was good. Evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their lives. Did you know that God is working in the hearts of people every day? Do you know that God is calling, he is wooing, God is moving, God is setting people up, and he's putting people in places where then he needs to use you to engage that process. I mean, don't you wish God would just do what he did with the Apostle Paul and just knock him off his horse and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you wish he did that? You're just sitting in your cubicle and all of a sudden, the heavens open and bam, the person beside you. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think that'd be awesome. We don't see that happening a whole lot though. You know, the plan is, is that you are going to go and you through your life are going to impact people. Impact. Did I say impact? You're going to impact people because you got a life. God's already working in people's lives and evangelism is you working with God in the process of bringing them to Jesus, which I think is a really good idea. And being as this warm weather coming up, you're going to walk the dog, you're going to get out of the house a bit. I just want to exhort you, encourage you. Let's do some of this, all right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 to 16, uh, the English Standard Version, it says... The area of influence that God has assigned to us is to reach you. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence may be greatly enlarged so that, say so that, so that we may preach the gospel lands beyond you. So here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I know where God has placed me and I know the ministry that he has given to me and I know the boundaries of that ministry. Now, I want to go further. I want to go bigger. I want to go to Rome. I want to go to Spain. There's a lot of places I want and there's a passion in my heart to do things for God. But what did he know? He knew that there's an area of influence assigned to me. And that before I can go beyond, I have to master the area that I'm in. I have to get results where I am right now. Then I want it to greatly enlarge. I want faith and influence to enlarge so that I can move on. I see a lot of people that I believe I've got ministry. I believe God wants to use me in big things. I went, God wants you to start now. God wants you to do it now. So every one of you, put up your hand. You are right now in the ministry. Take your other hand and say, woo! All right. You're not waiting to arrive. You're really there. You are, and you have a call, and God has given you a ministry, and he has placed you right now and positioned you to be successful in ministry. Just a couple other translations of that verse. It says, we, however, will not boast beyond measure. We're not going to boast beyond the scope of our, you know, what God's called us to do, but within the limits of the sphere. Say sphere. 
I'm going to boast about the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Did you know that God has a sphere for you? God has placed you in a sphere. And I know a lot of people sometimes say, oh, I hate my job. I hate where I am. I hate what I'm doing. And you could hate that for another 50 years. Could it possibly be a sphere that God has placed you in to master, to dominate, to demonstrate his goodness? And all you can think of is, what's next? Get me out of this mess. I'm so sick of this. Oh, God, deliver me from this. These people are annoying. These people are your mission field. These people are people that, that God has placed you with. I don't like my job. Well, God loves your job, and he's placed you there on purpose to reach people. I love my job. And if I keep on loving it and squeezing everything out of it, I think I'll get to go beyond. Do you think that's possible? Pastor, come on, I don't know. Another translation, the same verse, but we will not boast about things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule, which God has distributed to us, a measure which reaches to you. You are included in the boundaries of the measure that God has appropriated to me. So I'm going to be faithful right here, right now. I'm not going to have my eyes all over everywhere else. I'm going to be faithful right now to what's in front of me, and I'm going to serve what's in front of me right now, faithfully and with everything in me. All right, because it's not bad to say I want more. Paul wanted more. He desired more, but Paul knew that the way to step beyond. There's a lot of people think like, oh, I'm boxed in, I'm hedged in. People won't let me do nothing, you know. I have great things in my life in store. I keep on getting hedged in and boxed in. And you keep on rebuking the Spirit, and yet the Spirit's name is Yahweh. The boundaries in your life could be that God says, hey, it goes like this, A, B, C, D, it doesn't go A, F. Because you know what? If you skip a few rungs in the ladder, that'll get exposed in the heat of battle. Boy, there was a little bit of response. There was good stuff right there. Amen? Still a lot of quiet people in the house. Just check your pulse right now. Check it. My measure's over. I'm Rule, here's the word. What is the word? The word is the word rule. It's the word canon in the, in the Greek. And it's the word, this is the definition. A definitely bounded or fixed space within the limits of which one's power or influence is confined. Wow, that sounds so confining. Yes. And that's what Paul said. I know the limitations. You know, it's a stupid thing to want to be a prophet if God called you to be an evangelist. Prophets are awesome. But you're an evangelist. Be an evangelist. I mean, if, if, it's a stupid thing to, if you're a prophet and you want to be a pastor, you'll probably prophesy all Sunday, drive people crazy, and they just need to be grounded in, how can I get a better relationship with my husband? <laughs> can you tell me about that? Yay, the Lord would say your marriage is in trouble. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's all I got. <laughs> You know, you got giftings, you got callings, you got things that God wants you to master and he wants you to be brilliant in, and you can do it, and he's for you. So you have a sphere of influence that God has given you. Acts 16, 31, so they, so, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be, will be saved, you and your household. Say household. That word household is the word oikos. The word oikos means the place where one has been fixed. Say fixed. The I thought I made a decision to move here. It was God. 
The place where one has fixed his residence, his family, descendants of one in that fixing. So what I love about this is these guys, Paul and Silas got thrown in jail, and instead of grumbling about, God, I've been serving you all this time. This is the best you can do. I can't believe you're leaving me in jail. I got whipped, and I'm hanging in these stocks. I got rats chewing on my flesh. Oh, God! Oh, God! Where are you? No, that's, that's not what they did, did they? What did they do? They sang, exactly. Just like Pastor Cheryl. Oh, so it was such a good video until she decided to sing. Anyways, but she knows that. I've said that to her face, so please. She's not offended, so you know what's worse than a person being offended? Somebody being offended for somebody else. That's really worse. So, so don't get offended for my wife, really. Just drop it right now. I, I plead the blood of Jesus right now over the spirit of offense. Oh, there she is. She's right there. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know you are in the room. Love you. You're awesome. So good. What's for lunch? Okay. That's, that's good. I hope I get lunch. That would be good. Okay. Your household. I mean, your household. You got all these things. God, God has placed you somewhere and he wants you to do well with it, all right? Here you got, you got Matthew chapter 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. You are not a salt. You're not a flavor. You're not a spice or a seasoning. You are the salt. That meant a lot in their days. Salt was really a big, big deal. It preserved. It kept. It did so much for them. Salt was a big deal. And you are not a salt, a preservative. You are the preservative. You are what's going to impact. You're going to save. You're going you're gonna to touch the world. So salt. Let me tell you what salt is. You see as Jesus does. You see, as Jesus did, you value every single person better than yourself. You know, the most beautiful community that ever existed was called Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three people in absolute unity enjoying themselves immensely. And then one day they said, there's a whole bunch of screwed up people got messed up. Our wonderful creation has gone sideways. Would one of you like to leave this wonderful, beautiful community and go to a place where it's all toxic and ugly? No way! In the most beautiful community, the Father and the Holy Ghost and the Son took on the mission and he came into our mess. Not because we were beautiful, but because we were loved. And you know, that's an awesome thing. Is it not? You know, so sometimes you're going to get put in awkward situations, but you got to value everybody as better than yourself. Accept everybody. Accept everybody right where they are. You know, like I love that line and I wanted to show you that little clip because you smell like sin. Yeah. I just love that line, you know. Hey Amen. How many of you actually said that before? Just, come on. No, just me? Okay, so <laughs> you're on the bus and somebody sits by you. You smell like sin. And you move over. Was that just me? I've only, I felt convicted with that. Okay, never mind. The L, love is Jesus' love. Love is, wow, that's actually a really big word. Chew on that one. That's a big deal. And the T stands for we're transformational people. We transform lives so that they can impact their world. And you know what? That's what we are. We're salt. We value people where they are with unconditional love so that we can be an agent of transformation in their lives. So that's who you are. That's who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, come on, this is good. All right, all right. So that's who you are. Okay, that's salt. So quick, I'm going to do two things. You ready? I'm going to do things. I'm going to talk about how you can identify your sphere, and number two, how you can impact your sphere. Are you ready? Number one, in your sphere, you got the first thing is you got my people. Mark 5.19 says, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done to you. You have friends, amen? 
Do you have friends? Go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Now, that was the demoniac. The demoniac had all those demons cast out of him immediately. Jesus said, he said, I want to come with you, Jesus. These people chained me in a tomb. They, they tied rocks around me and stuff. I want to go hang out with you. He says, no, you stay here. And you tell all your friends, you tell everybody all the good things that God has done for you. Amen. No, Jesus, I want to follow you. You want to follow me? Go touch other people. Is there another answer? No. If you want to wash my feet, you can't wash other people's feet. Go do likewise to others. But you got people. Say, my people. Number two. Number two, you got your people, but you got your place. You got your place. Everybody's got a place. You got a place and you got your people. From one man, he made many nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him. See, God's placed you where you are. He's placed you in a place of influence so that God can use you so that you can be salt where you are so that people will seek him. Now, they've done studies, and here's what they say. They say most people spend time each week with their people, and it says that usually we spend time with an average of 12 people. There's 12 people. You studied out, write it down. I've only got one. It's, it's actually our Rottweiler bow, but it says the average person has 12 people that they spend at least one hour of intimate time with. Now, I thought what was sad in the same study, it said that most fathers only spend seven minutes a day with their children in an intimate way. And if you multiply that by seven days, that's only 49. So even their children don't fall in those 12, which is really sad. That's why we have a fatherless generation. But you know, you're spending time right now. You're spending intimate time. On average, on average, you're spending time with about 12 people. I spend it with the same staff right here at Impact Church all the time. And I've been trying to get them saved every week. One of these days, we're going to get them. Well, you got people, you got a place where God has placed you, He's established you, but you also got a passion. How many got passion? I got a passion. How many love bowling? Wow, that's so awesome. How many love walking the dog? I got somebody to bowl with, and somebody wants to walk my dog. This is so good. So, how many like going to the beach and reading a book? How many love the Toronto Blue Jays? Anyway, my passion is to sit on the couch and watch college football. So that's my passion. You know, you got things you like. You might like, you know, airplanes. You might like uh, model airplanes. You, You know what? Sometimes Christians avoid their passions. They avoid things that they like and interest they have. You might love classic cars. You know, you go, you know what? I'm going to die to myself, though. And I'm just going to do Jesus stuff. Hallelujah. I'd really love to go to that car show, but I won't because I want to serve Jesus. Have you ever thought that maybe your passion for cars might have come from him? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So, you know, know, suddenly you, you like that. Have you ever thought that God might be bringing you into touch with a community that he wants to help along on their journey to meet God? You need to be at small group on Wednesday. How dare you join a small car club? Well, please get to small group. There's enough place. Now, Werner Duver loves karate. Honestly, he does. Werner Duver. Did you know that Werner Duver a couple weeks ago? How old are you, Werner? 78? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I love you. You're 26. Amen. He's not 26. But anyways... I am awed by Werner because, like, that's about as far as my leg goes. Like... 
But he can go high up, ho, wah, wah, wah. He can go sideways, you know, just amazing. And he had to do all that testing, and he got his black belt in karate. He dances, he, he does dance schools and dance. But you know what? Sometimes you pursue your passions, but you know what Werner does in all those places? I've been to places where he invites me to come along and meet a group of people from the karate club, and then we're in restaurants, and he's got me in the restaurant laying hands on people from the karate club. I didn't have the heart to tell him, I don't do this kind of stuff in public, you know, because he said, come over here, pastor, let's lay hands on this person. Werner, we're in a restaurant, we're in public, I only do it in church. But no, here we are, we're laying hands on people right there in the restaurant, commanding healing to come, casting out devils, hallelujah. No, he didn't do that. But, but we've, and we do all these things, and you know, what you love that could be a place where God wants you to engage people and touch people's lives. So you got your place, you got your, uh, what was it? Your place, let me, let me recap for you. You ready? Your place, your people, and your passion. All right, let, let me move on to impacting your sphere real quick. Impacting your sphere. How do you impact your sphere? Number one, I impact my sphere with my manner. My manner. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that they will have a right, that you will have a right response for everyone. Let me read that again. Come on, you got to hang out with some unbelievers. Live wise among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity so that your conversation be gracious. You smell like sin. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You know what? How you are, how you behave, how you carry yourself in front of people is really, really important. You cannot have a bad day. I can't? No, you have too many of them. Really, stop it. Okay, so it's important. How many thought that was a bit harsh right there? I can't have a bad day. It's kind of true. Sometimes we say, I, Jesus is my source, he's my rock, he's my peace, he's my righteousness. And with all of that said, you have a lot of bad days. Do you think maybe the people looking at you are saying, prove it? Oh, pastor, you're meddling now. Okay. My manner, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 12, make it your goal. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. How many read the Bible, believe every bit of it on purpose? Okay. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Because it doesn't say go do witnessing, it says be a witness. I know there's got to be a word spoken, but before you open your mouth, please manifest a life that is worth following. Okay, that was good. Amen. Say amen, please. All right. All right, so we got my manner. Number two, we got my moments. A lot of work putting these together for you. A lot of alliteration because I know you people memorize these sermons. Maddie, why are you laughing? You're on staff. What are you talking about? All right. My moments, my moments. Psalm 37, 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God delights in every detail of your life. He directs your steps. He's working with you. All your moments are caught up in him. Proverbs 16, verse nine. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There's many times during the day, would you do this? A double dog dare you. Would you wake up in the morning and say, God, grant me many divine appointments today? Yeah. Would you do that? 
And then would you open your heart to be aware that you're going to have encounters with people that need a kind word or they need something, they need somebody to share with them. Would you do that? How many find that a little bit scary? Thank you. So you got some honesty back there. That's good. You know, we had an evangelism class, didn't we, Brian, at Bible school? We had an evangelism class. I had a couple that were seriously thinking of leaving school because one of the things you had to do to pass the evangelism class was you actually had to share your faith with somebody. They were going to school to be trained to be in ministry, and they had to log an event where they talked to a non-believer about Jesus, and they were having such a panic attack, they were almost ready to leave Bible school because they could not believe that we actually have to share with an unbeliever. Well, who did you want to minister to? I, I'm not kidding. And it is funny because I thought it was strange. They finally got over it. It was okay. How many of you are a little, don't, don't, don't put up your hands, but how many of you are a little bit terrified about sharing your faith? <laughs> Just me. Okay, good. <laughs> it's hard for some. I did say don't put up your hand. Thank you, Jocelyn. A man's steps, they're ordered to the Lord. I ask the Lord, give me divine appointments. Amen. Amen. Okay. My moments, my manner, my moments, my message. First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared. Say prepared. Always, say always. always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer for your hope. Why do you hope, George? <laughs> <laughs> That was so mean to George. Wasn't that mean to George? Who else, who else would like to take that one up? Always be prepared to share the goodness of God. You know what's even better than a scripture or you smell like sin? Is tell people about what God's done for you. Like, Lori here's got an amazing story, right? A couple of weeks ago, they were talking about exploratory surgery because literally my muscles had detached. In the last two weeks, I've got 95% of my muscle movement restored. How many think that's a pretty good story? You know what? You guys all have really amazing stories. I have an amazing story about how God set me free, delivered me. My life was a mess. I'm not going to tell you about it because you probably wouldn't want me as your pastor if you really knew what kind of person I used to be. But I got a great story of God's delivering power and how he set me free and healed my broken heart. You know, there's a lot of people out there that when they hear those kind of stories, they go, wow, if he did it for you, he could do it for me. All right, so you got a message, but you got to be prepared with your message. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, Now all things are of God, and he is rec who is reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world. Where was God? He was standing aloof looking at the cross. No, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself at the cross, not imputing their trespasses against them, and has committed to us the word of and the ministry of reconciliation. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. You are not a light. There's darkness. And if there's darkness, it's because we're not manifesting light. Straight up, we can manifest the light of the goodness of God. We are the light of the word, a city that is set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Nor do they put a, a light in a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine at church. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Last one right here. I love this. I love the story of Zacchaeus. But here's Jesus in the ministry walking down a road, and he was aware that there was somebody in a tree. And he's just going through his life, and there's a guy 
up a tree. There's a lot of people in your life, look up, look around, be aware, because there's a lot of tree climbers. There's a lot of people that are trying to figure it out. There's a lot of people that are trying to look in from afar. There's a lot of people that are broken, messed up, and they've climbed a tree somewhere, and they're trying to figure it out. And there's tree climbers in your life. There's people in your world right now that are trying to get a glimpse of something. They're hoping in something. They're believing for something. And you know what? You got to cry out to them. You got to call out, and you got to tell the Tree climbers, come on, I'm going to go to your house. I love it. Jesus said, come on down, hurry, hurry, come on down. I must stay at your house today. I just love that. This is it right here. Tree climbers, here's what you do. Be aware, share, prayer, and care. Be aware, start praying for people that God puts you on your heart. Share your story and just start caring for people. Start to do random acts of kindness for people. Bake a cake. How many can bake a cake? I can't, I really can't, but... You know, you can do things. There's things you can do for people. You can help. I love that story where the guy walked in. First, before he said, do you want to come to church? He said, hey, do you need help? Can I give you a hand? Can I give you a hand? You know, can I help fix that motor with you? But he said, no, the motor's fine. He said, hey, then I came by. I wanted to, will you come to church with me and my family? You know, it's one thing to invite people to church. It's another thing to bring them. Let me say that again. It's one thing to invite people to church. It's another thing to bring them. Bring them. Come on with me. Bring them. And so I want to challenge you with that, that invite is, is a part of our culture. It's one of our six core values, that we are a church that gets the invite message. We get the come with me message. We get that we have responsibility to the lost. There's people out there lost in the woods, and you know the way to safety. And you have a responsibility to tell them the way home. In fact, we put it right on the door so you can tell them, Welcome home. Come on, stand up with me. Hey. Come on, just, just bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute there. Everybody praying. Believers, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying. You're praying. Now, I don't know everybody here today. Some visitors, guests, people walked in. Don't know where you're at completely. But I want you to know something, that we sang that song, He's a Good, Good Father. He really is. You know what? This is a group of people, and we are... We are the house of the Father, the house of God, and he's a God who really, really loves you. And maybe you don't know what it is to have a personal relationship with him, but I want you to have one, and I want you to have it before you leave today. And it would be our privilege and our pleasure to pray with you and have you walk out with the knowledge that you are a child of God today. So listen, if you don't know and you're not sure, but you want to be sure that you are in his family and that he is your father and that you're enjoying the benefits of what that means, then I want to pray with you. And I'm just going to do this. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three. At three, if you want prayer, you put up your hand and we're all together going to pray. Are you ready? Listen, all across, all across. You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up really high, really high so I can see it. Really high. Anybody else? Just lift it up really, really high. So I can see it. All right. All right, we're going to pray. Everybody pray with me. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for doing what you did, for dying on the cross, for forgiving me my sins. And I believe today that I am born again. I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. So Holy Spirit, come into my life testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. I am forgiven, healed, and free. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Well, God bless you. Somebody might come and chat with you and say, hey, we want to follow up because we don't want you just making a decision. We want you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and know all the benefits of the family, all right? Now, listen, we're going to ask those who are on ministry team today to come on up. And if you need ministry, you need prayer for anything. I mean, there's so many great things happen here at the altar. I can't tell you how many testimonies of what happens at the altar. But these folks are ready to pray for you and bless you and minister to you. So please, please come if you need prayer in any way. Amen? All right, lift up your hands. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Lift them up. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless this house, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for all of our family and all of our friends. We command them blessed right now. We go forth right now praying bold prayers, making bold declarations, believing, Lord, that you're going to give me divine appointments to share and to touch the people where you've put me to be an influence. I'm going to influence my sphere for your goodness and your glory because you've empowered me to do it. I can do it, and I can do all things for you. So loose miracles, signs and wonders, words of knowledge, revelations of your goodness and grace. So Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I command each and everyone blessed and commissioned to loose your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.